Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Curious on Earth podcast. I'm Henry Soinuma. I'm a writer, musician and amateur journalist from Finland. And uh, today my guest is theory artist Emilena Fries, who is a co-founder of the Metamoderna uh, political and philosophical think tank and one of the minds behind the uh, Nordic school or political style of metamodernism. What metamodernism actually is, is not uh, that uh, simple question to answer. It can be thought of as an attractor or uh, a memeplex or, uh, or uh, a group of ideas, ways of thinking about ways of being contact with the world. And yeah, I've found metamodern, how would you say, like the metamodern sensibility or approaches. Maybe plural is better, it's approaches and sensibilities, because there's no one singular metamodernism, but I've found them to be quite valuable in making sense of the world and of my experience of the world. What metamodernism is about is challenging to define, but it's got to do with embracing polarities, embracing paradoxes. Uh, it's about multi-perspectivality on the world, how you can listen and integrate different points of view to the world, how you can develop your ability to, to listen to different kind of uh, stories that people tell about uh, the world, about their experiences in life. And uh, the political school of metamodernism is also about how to build a society that supports uh, people's healthy development and growth, how we can flourish more in the world, how we can increase our capabilities of making making sense of the the challenging, complex problems we encounter in the world. I just heard a term from, from uh, Peter Lindbergh, who is the steward of the STOA project. Uh, I don't, I can't recall who he was quoting, but I heard the term existential ultra catastrophes uh, as a description of what we're facing. So yeah, I think one of the most important abilities for us to develop in this current situation is learning how to cooperate and support each other <clears throat> in growing into directions that will help us to become the best versions of ourselves and also like thinking about how the structures of our society would need to develop uh, to minimize the amount of hindrance that they cause to our development, how to work towards a society that uh, supports our growth instead of, of limiting it. And yeah, that's just a tiny part of what political metamodernism is about, and I cannot do it justice by, by this explanation, but uh, I just uh, recommend you jump into the discussion and uh, find out for yourself and uh, yeah the just to let you know the podcast is available in many providers uh, through YouTube Spotify Apple podcasts SoundCloud many of the uh, the most used podcast providers but if there's some that are missing that you'd like to see the podcast on please send me a message and I'll do my best to uh, to submit the podcast there too. And you can follow the podcast on social media, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. And also, if you want to more intensely support the, my work, you can you can become a Patreon subscriber. So uh, mm, those in my Finnish audience might know that I've uh, already been running a Finnish Patreon for quite a while, but this is a new one, so this is in English. Uh, and... Uh, you can find it on Patreon through patreon.com slash curious on earth. And uh, pidä mitä puhetta.
let's uh, get into my discussion with Emil Leonard Fries. Okay, welcome to the second episode of the Curious on Earth podcast. Emil Leonard Fries, theory artist. Um, your work uh, with metamodernism has been quite influential for me because it's uh, sort of uh, broadened my uh, toolkit of different maps for making sense of the world. And uh, it's really good to have you as the second quest uh, for this podcast. So uh, I think we, we could uh, directly head for the concrete aspects of uh, what metamodernism is about. So you've been uh, involved in two books on metamodernism called The Listening Society and the Nordic Ideology, written by the philosopher Hansi Freinacht. Uh, so I think the title of the first book, Listening Society, is quite a good place to start from. So could you elaborate or give a brief discussion on what uh, what a listening society is? Well, I believe that uh, a lot of people, they they feel alienated and in, in society because they feel they have no voice and that they feel they live in a society that doesn't take enough considerations to their needs, especially their emotional needs. So, so what we are talking about here is a society that listens to what the actual needs are of its citizens. Um, that's the that's the basic basic idea behind the the listening society. I know it can have certain connotations in uh, in post communist countries where like the state was <laughs> listening to you, but um, we 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 take it as like a a society that cares, an empathetic society that listens to its citizens and where everyone is seen and heard. So what does this mean in practice? Of course, uh, to really elaborate on this would require reading the book, but uh, mm. if you can go a bit more concrete. Well, well in, in, in practice, um, we can say that the, the current society we live in is, is, is very much concerned with the outer aspects of life, um, like our material conditions. Right? It, it, it sees to it that, you know, that we are fed, that, that, that there's housing, uh, that we have jobs, you know, at least in a Scandinavian welfare state. It's very good at taking care of our material needs. Um, but when it comes to our emotional needs, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of on your own. Uh, if we take like Marshlov's uh, um, pyramid of, uh, of needs, you know, um, like, like the bottom, uh, at the bottom, you, you, you have things such as, uh, such as food and shelter, you know, and security. Um, and these are very well taken care of in the Scandinavian welfare state. But when it comes to issues such as, um, such as loneliness, um, self-esteem, self-actualization, you are on your own. And um, our idea with, with the welfare state uh, 2.0 is that we also include these higher needs, right? That we see it as a political and societal issue that people feel alienated and alone and that they have, you know, poor relationships. Um, you know, we, we talk about Gemeinschafts uh, politics, um, Gemeinskap in Swedish, uh, or like roughly translated to fellowship into English of seeing our relationships uh, to each other as a uh, political issue. Um, but but when we are talking about uh, our relationship to each other, we should also include uh, uh, and uh, just an as important relationship, namely our relationship to ourselves. And if we look at the need for self-esteem, we all have it. And uh, sadly, um, too many of us um, go out of school with a very low self-esteem. Um, we have learned like chemistry and um, some foreign language, but um, our self-esteem has been broken down and um, feel worthless, uh, um, like this worthlessness feeling is just as, as big a part of modern society as, you know, alienation. So if we would see to it that, that, that the welfare states um, make it 
a high a priority that every child gets as strong a self-esteem um, as possible. And also that we just not live in this hamster wheel, um, that everyone gets a chance to um, actualize, uh, self-actualize, to um, do the things of their dreams. Uh, and I think that with politics, I don't think that this is solely a individual uh, issue. Of course, it's up to me to make the right choices, to develop relationships to others, to work on myself um, and to do the things that I love. But politically, we can create uh, much better conditions for people to flourish and to become happy. Um, and what I think with, with, is the important thing here with political metamodernism that is that we gaze our we turn our gaze inwards yeah that we not only this also it's both and it's also important that we have good material conditions and i also think that it's only in uh, a sufficiently developed economy uh, where there is a material abundance um, that we can turn our gaze inwards and look at the emotional needs. So basically, that's what the Listening Society is about. It's about catering to the emotional needs um, of all citizens. One thing that I've also find, found uh, very resonating regarding especially like uh, the polit political uh, style of metamodernism because uh, for the listeners maybe briefly it's worth stating that there's uh, like different branches of metamodernism and your sort of imp interpretation or approach is uh, emphasizing the political parts but originally metamodernism is uh, uh, rooted in uh, like art theory but uh, maybe we'll get a bit more in depth to that later but uh, one thing that I've found really resonating is when you, for example, observe internet discussions in our current ages, the amount or the obviousness of polarization and tribalization is uh, hard to miss. And uh, it's hard to say whether these times are more polarized than previous times, but at least the, the, the way the polarization sort of like comes on your face is, is uh, of a particular style nowadays, since we have connection to to people from so many different kinds of ideological and religious and political tribes and uh one thing that i find that that metamodernism gives at least one framework for is how to sort of start building bridges between people who look at the world from different perspectives and i think that's also one of the central ideas in the listening society <clears throat> that it's an approach to thinking about or developing society in a direction that helps us uh, find ways to to get along and build meaningful things together uh, regardless of our differences in in worldview and paradigm yeah i think one of the greatest obstacles to transcending this polarization is that we don't understand the polarization Right, we, we we think of it in terms of left and right, uh, but actually it is not in like it used to be. Uh, um, like political polarization was on a left and right scale, you know, like people do you want more market or do you want more state? Um, but everyone were within like most people were within the modern uh, were gravitating towards the modern value meme, yeah, so they could still communicate. Uh, however, what we see now is that, you know, everyone has like politically coalesced on in the middle yeah? that we have, uh, you know, this social liberalism and then people are polarized in terms of uh, progressives and conservatives or even, you know, uh, uh, reactionaries. And we still think of that as like a like, like a left right divide. But in reality, you know, it is a matter of um, um, of value meme of developmental uh, psychological stage, yeah, um, which is very sensitive to say that someone is less developed than others. But if we look at it, you know, it is often um, people who have more progressive values uh, who are gravitating um, towards po postmodern uh, postmodernism or metamodernism. That is 
a way of thinking that is more in tune with the current complexity of the society that we are in. It's, I would say, it is a fact uh, compared to, uh, you know, um, religious fundamentalistic or nationalistic way of thinking. Um, and um, not until progressives, because that's it's from there the insight should come, not before progressive understand this dynamic, um, will we be able to transcend it, right, and to create understanding? Because I believe understanding that people gravitate towards uh, different uh, effective value memes, it actually makes you more forgiving and, and, and in increases your understanding that, ah, um, it's not that uh, people have completely misunderstood how the world works, it is that they are at the limits of their cognitive complexity. Um, and I need to learn their language. And, um, and also, I need to learn their language and speak with them without an antagonizing them. And I believe that um, having a developmental perspective on things will make you more forgiving and thus less antagonizing. Yeah, I think what you just touched upon there regarding learning to speak the language of people is, is one of the most uh, practical things I feel that I've... I don't know if I got it out from meta metamodernism because it's something that I've been doing anyway, but it's yeah. like helped me we didn't understand what I'm doing. Yeah, like the the basic idea of not requiring people who I disagree with uh, approach my point of view, but taking responsibility for myself uh, of being able to better understand where they are and understand what are some of the key values or concepts that they perceive in the world. And uh, then, and thinking about that as a privilege, that because uh, exactly. a lot of a lot of the talk uh, uh, around privilege nowadays is focused on like people pointing out each other's privileges, but I find it really helpful to realize my own privileges and uh, yes, that you can wrap your yeah. head around queer feminist and uh, a critical approach to society. That's a that, that's that's a very privileged perspective. Uh, to have to be able to uh, to do that, but these things is something that you know integralism and spiral dynamics have been doing for decades. You know, it's nothing we came up with. We were inspired by this stuff. Um, what we did was because we thought that the models were a bit simplified. Was that we just applied Wilbur's four quadrants on spiral dynamics, and then we came up with you know, these four dimensions of development, the four dimensions we should focus on in people's uh, uh, psychological development, you know, complexity on one, one side, depth on the other, code, and then state. And um, your, your, your mental state is the one we should focus on politically, because it's the only thing that is, eth first of all, it's the only thing that's ethically viable. Right, because there's nothing. Okay, now I need to develop everyone's um, level of of complexity and their value memes so that I don't feel so alone. I have more people to talk to. No, people do not want to um, read your enlightened state of development. You, you you cannot reason like that. But everyone wants to increase their state. Yeah, everyone wants to do well. I feel 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 well. Um, so that's what I think we should uh, focus on uh, politically. And also in relation to integral and spiral dynamics, what we have done is that we have sexualized this stuff. Uh, we are not so much about spirit spirituality. And then we have politicized it um, and created a, a political project. And that's what, that's, that is what you will find in Nordic ideology. Initially, the listening society was just meant... Uh, to be this um, introduction um, um, to um, uh, our political uh, philosophy. Uh, but then Hansi just went on and on and wrote, and then it became too long. So we had to uh, uh, split it up. And then Nordic ideology came out uh, two years la later. Uh, and, then, and that is where Hansi gives us something really unique, because there we have the six new forms of, uh, of politics and a number of other um, unique uh, political uh, or societal uh, perspectives. Um, and 75% of 
the uh, philosophical concepts is to be found in Nordic ideology. And this is a far more important uh, book than Listening Society. Yeah, I'm thinking about the sort of four axes of development and thinking about is there any way to cover or give a brief description of them because it's quite complicated and we have limited amount of time but at least i think maybe it would be use useful to give a brief description of what is an effective value meme so that people get a grasp on what we're talking about right um first of all um people should um, buy, buy our books and and enjoy my courses because we we, we we tried and tried uh to talk about these things uh before and people never understood what we were talking about so we we had to like uh together with hansi like write these really uh uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh fat books and um yeah in order people need to spend time with hansi for i don't know how many hours does it take to read a book like that 20 30 hours in order to to really grasp it but yeah, basically, like modern society is this, yeah, you know, science, uh, uh, rational, de democratic society that mainstream society and postmodernism is the critique um, against uh, modern society. That's where you have all the queer feminists and um, post-colonialism uh, and uh, all of this stuff. And then metamodernism is what comes after the critique. Um, the synthesis or the proto-synthesis, because um, we know that all synthesis are preliminary. It, it's, it's an ongoing project to synthesize the best of modernism and postmodernism, and And people are inclined to gravitate either to, to, to one value meme or, or another. People can also gravitate to like um, pre-modern value memes, you know, like have a very re religious or fundamentalistic um, uh, worldview. Um, but really, I, I, I recommend that, 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 that people just plunge into this stuff. It's on our website. It's, it's, it's in our books. Um, Spiral Dynamics uh, has been writing about this uh, for years. Um, and then you will yeah, gradually uh, get, a get a feeling for it. Um, what, what we have done is that we have these four fields uh, of development, of, of, of personal development that... It's not so easy just to say, oh, that person is modern or postmodern. And then, because what we noticed was that some people are very, very, very complex thinkers. Um, but in terms of, uh, of, 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 of spiritual depth and wisdom, they're not so developed. And then often you can have like a super complex thinker, um, but who gravitate towards mainstream modernism. Um, or the other way around, you can have like really spiritual people, um, but they have a very low complex uh, cognitive complexity and, um, yeah, are maybe like barely able to grasp uh, postmodern theory. Um, so we found out that, you know, the spiral dynamics theory, it's, 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 a, it's, a, really, it's a really good bad theory. Yeah? It's, um, it, it really hits the head on the nail uh, and it's intuitively... Like it just rings through. You get this intu intuitive feeling of wow, yes, it fits so much uh, uh, in, into the greater uh, scheme of all. But then after a while, it, it's just too simple to give people a yeah color code as they do in spiral dynamics. So the thing is that there's both there's both cognitive complexity, there's depth, and it's also what is the code that people have been reading. You know, a really uh, if if you if you take a person and that person is like cognitively very very complex and uh, has a lot of spiritual depth and been meditating for thirty years and doing, but has not had access to uh, latest postmodern philosophy or even modern philosophy, right? You will see that in in the scholastic period that you have these geniuses, but all they had access to was the Bible and the interpretations thereof, and they remained pre-modern. So it's also important what kind of code uh, you have in your system. And then there's, of course, state. Have you only, state relates a lot to depth, have you only, have you lived most of your life just never experienced the highs and the lows of life? Have you never been to hell and back to tell the story? Have you never seen the heavens? Uh, have you never had a cosmic or orgasm? Uh, have you just... 
yeah, had like a very normal life and, you know, um, then that will inhibit um, the development of your depth because you don't know, you don't have an experience that hell and heaven actually exists. Um, so they're all interconnected. And um, development in, in one uh, of, of the quadrants of and one of these dimensions will enable development in another, right? So um, if you read the right books, it will be able to help you increase your cognitive uh, complexity. Um, if you have the right life experiences, it will increase your wisdom. Um, it, it will increase your spiritual depth. Um, and also spiritual depth and complexity can also um, yeah, uh, enable each other. Um, so it's really like a more holistic uh, uh, way to personal development. That's, that's not like one thing you need to focus on. But politically, what we should focus on is state. We need to focus on happiness. And I know a lot of people um, don't like happiness, but, but uh, I, I can assure you that happiness is good for you. And that's what we should f focus on, uh, political and also in our own lives. How would you describe, like, what's the main point of criticism when people criticize the emphasis on happiness? Um, well, often I think that people, they think of a hedonistic, like chocolate kind of happiness, yeah, that we are brought up to, you know, consume this, enjoy that, and then I don't see that as happiness, yeah. Um, often people think of ah so it's just like getting one dopamine kick after the other it's like no you also need to like increase your serotonin levels like throughout the day you know you also need some oxytocin from having uh, good and loving relations and so on <laughs> so um but i would i would define happiness as you know the subjective state of being happy or feeling good um, throughout, you know, most of your life. Because, um, of course, we all have this feeling of, uh, well, you can even be unhappy and, and you know, you, you can eat a delicious cake and then be uh, get a lot of dopamine into your brain from the sugar, but still be miserable, right? Um, so, but, um, yeah, happiness is a subjective state. But I think we have all been there, yeah? Um, like, when I talk about happiness, we've all been there. We know what it is, and the trick is to have prolonged happiness um, throughout most of the moments of our life. Um, then some would criticize, oh, but if we don't uh, experience the lows and the pain, we won't like uh, understand what life is about, and uh, you know, we won't write any poetry and uh, um, and, and do any great artwork. Um, and, but I said, like, don't worry. There's like enough pain and suffering for everybody out there. So that's like the least of our uh, our concerns to think that's not enough uh, misery out there. Um, and especially as you evolve, uh, as you increase your, your, your complexity, uh, new pains will arise. Um, if you, become, you have seen that for a lot of people who have experienced profound spiritual development, and then suddenly they're out of tune with the rest of society and they feel alienated. Yeah. Um, and the same with complexity. Suddenly everyone is like fucking stupid. Um, and you have learned all of these amazing things and you know how the world works and we can do this and that. And then no one understands what you say and you have no one to talk to. Yeah, I've been thinking quite a bit about how to describe uh, like sort of giving a category for what metamodernism is. And I think like one word that is somewhat helpful is, is a memeplex, that it's sort of a collection of uh, ideas that sort of tend to hang together and also uh, the attractor point of view that you elaborate on the on the Nordic ideology book is quite good and also the attractor point of view makes it easier to talk about uh, the relationship between metamodernism and well, you could say other attractors, such mm -hmm. as I think like post post rationality, integral, game B are some examples that are in some ways uh, quite well aligned yeah, with yeah, metamodernism. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's like it's like part of the same meta meme, right? When we talk about metamodernism, we often we, we talk about many different things. You you mentioned. Uh, um, yeah, the Dutch school, uh, as it's often referred to, like just looking at metamodernism as you would look at like the Rococo, like, uh, or like the Impressionist, like just like a, 
like a cultural phase, you know, within the arts and architecture. Um, and, and then you have the Nordic school where you look at it as a developmental phase. And, and then you could look at it in, in terms of a societal, uh, a state of societal development. Um, and you can look at it as a, a state of psychological development. Um, and that these two uh, are related, they are not the same, but they are um, uh, like dependent on each other, right? Um, of course, if we want to live in a meta-modern society, people need, enough people need to gravitate towards the, um, the meta-modern value meme uh, in order to, yeah, um, to, uh, what's it called, uh, yeah, um, evolve into um, the meta-modern, yeah, we call it um, meta-meme. It's all words, but um, I hope you understand that's like, 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 like we often talk about different things. And I would say that um, um, many of the people who, who, who come up like Game B or Vavegi or Schmachtenberger, you know, they don't define themselves as metamodernists, but they're kind of part of the post postmodern. Right. And I, that's what I think is good about metamodernism, that. In, compared to integralism, which is kind of like trademark at Ken Wilber, like you can say what is integral and what is not integral. Like integral is what Ken Wilber uh, has written about, and whereas metamodernism is more of of something we explore together. What can what could possibly come after postmodernism? No one can own that term. It's just like socialism or liberalism. Um, so I think it's like a much broader term. And at the moment, I think that metamodernism is kind of like winning. Um, this weekend, I was at a conference at Alexander Bard, uh, the, the philosopher. He's also an ex-factor uh, judge, but <laughs> I think he's more interesting as a philosopher. He came down on his knees and said that, okay, I hate, I fucking hate the term, but I it will now declare myself a metamodernism because <laughs> apparently that's, what we're we gonna call it and it's often with these things that okay we we need a name right and we need a name for what comes after postmodernism and post postmodernism that's just that, that no <laughs> it's just a shitty word so yeah um well one one criticism that you hear regarding both um, metamodernism in particular and also like uh, stage theories or developmental theories uh, more broadly is that they're too linear in the sense that they can be interpreted uh, as postulating a linear progression or evolution some sort of like fatalistic pathway uh, on which everyone should be developing yeah. along how would you reply to that well um it's also you could say that that Newton he was very fatalistic about you know apples falling to the ground. Um, of course, um, the apple won't fall to the ground if you if you catch it, right? And of course, um, if we start wiping each other out out in some Mad Max climate collapse, uh, we are not going to see a meta modern society. Um, and um, maybe will have happen now maybe we will regress back to something else but i believe that the attractor point is pulling towards what we call a metamodern society that if things are allowed to evolve right and the end result will be something um, similar to what we're talking about uh, i also believe with evolution we have seen throughout uh, organic evolution that organisms have become more and more complex. You know, brains have become bigger. Um, organisms, like you, you, you see a, a, a development also in, in the inorganic world that we've, like in the beginning, there was just like hydrogen up there. And then over time, you see more and more complex structures uh, evolve. And then again, you could also say, oh, how can you say something is more complex than something else? Like like the postmodern critique, ah, oh, it's just change. Um, but then now what I was okay, it's change, it's just, it's, do you have a better uh, way of speaking about that, that will, um, because of course, complexity is, is just a language that we're making up, it's just a map, it's not reality. But at the moment, I believe talking in terms of complexity and stages um, gives us 
a much clearer picture of what is actually going on. Uh, and I also think that uh, thinking in terms of stages, we can actually predict things. Um, and um, our way of, of thinking should, of, of course, be put to the test. Is this something that is better at predicting things and also creating things um, than the ways of thinking and the theories that are currently available? Um, Mm. I'm thinking of whether to go deeper into yeah. that. I think I wanted to say that, yeah, of course, if a comet hits, then like it is not fatalistic in the way that we don't know what happens. Yeah. But um, I, I believe that when we talk about attractor points, that it kind of um, yeah, avoids that trap of thinking that it is this linear progression. Yeah. Uh, we also see that throughout history that, uh, you know, there are ups and downs, you know, Roman Empire then just collapsed and societal complexity was on a lower level for a thousand years and, until it, it started increasing again. Um, hmm. But in, 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 the, in, in the big picture, I think I'm a historian and I think that this narrative of ever increasing complexity over time, you know, from the... Uh, when you zoom out, it is, it's very, very uh, clear to me. Um. Yeah, and also like one important aspect of the complexity, which also um, this way of phrasing it, I think borrows quite a bit from Ken Wilber, is that, that as the complex, complexity increases, it tends to include uh, or integrate uh, lower stages of complexity in itself. I imagine if I'm thinking about... Uh, a future society that that I can imagine that has more like has integrated more of the metamodern attractor because uh, I think a fear that many people have for example Nora Bateson who has been uh, talking critically yeah. uh, about the uh, and, and has also like spiced up the discussion regarding stage theories I think one fear that she has is that there's like sort of one point of reference that everything is valued through and I think the mm, what I perceive the metamodern perspective more and more evolving into is the ability to uh, to include a variety of different kinds of of, of maps or different kinds yes. of uh, paradigms, and the way we we'll also like developing our ability to have like dialogue and also like cooperation between different kinds uh, for, uh, well like uh, just like a small world example i've been thinking quite a bit about because uh, i have fr some friends who have sort of uh, gone into the flat earth rabbit hole and i've been thinking quite a bit about because uh, because a lot there's a lot of push in the current uh, how do you say like current narratives regarding truth and and making sense of the world uh, there's a lot of push uh, for people to sort of turn their backs on people who are uh, like disagreeing on the basic premises of the world and what it means to make make sense of the world and i've been thinking quite a bit about when i stop having agreement uh, with a friend on the most basic ways that we figure out the truth about the world how do i still uphold friendship and uh, human connection and i think this is like a micro scale thing of what mm. uh, what what kind of a need the metamodern attract attractor is sort of born uh, to give i don't know solutions but at least like workable uh, ways of dealing with the problem i don't know like if, if yeah you, you you can still go out and have have a beer and um, and play chess with <laughs> with a friend who's yeah and then you just talk about something, something different. I wanted to to, to reply to what you said before um, uh, about this of of including um, um, like more perspectives. And 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 I would say like my horror perspe uh, 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 perspective would be that 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 metamodernism would 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 go the same route as Marxism, right? That you know I don't th that we would have like a finiteism. Uh, that would be like the worst thing. I don't think that Marx had imagined that the work he that people would be using his work as a Bible. You know, the man was a scientist, yeah, and it's like 
it's, it's implied in science that, you know, people should improve upon the work. I mean, like if, if people are still like we have failed, if people are still reading our books in 20 years, right? Um, like if, if, if no one has come up with something better in 20 years and they're still like going like if people start using Hansi Feinach as some kind of guru and, um, you know, the, the books as a Bible and people start, this is like the correct way of interpreting metamodernism, then it's a complete failure. Um, the good thing, again, about the term metamodernism is I think that it's inviting... Um, people uh, into exploring together what comes after postmodernism, right? Um, there's no correct way to be a metamodernist. And um, it is only together that we can co-create co this new meta-meme or whatever we're going to call it. Maybe it's not going to be called any metamodernism or talk about meta-memes and this. Maybe we're going to develop, hope, hopefully we're going to develop a better language in, in, in 20 years. Um, th that's what I hope for. Uh, but I still believe that this develop, developmental thought, this thought of progress that, you know, there are some certain qualitative uh, uh, features to change over time and um, that there is a direction, there might be many directions out there, um, but I believe that... Um, like what we need to do is that we need to ally, we need to identify and ally ourselves with the attractor points. Um, like see, where is the world soul going? Because it's only then you, you, you can identify what is possible. Like Gandhi, for example, saw that, okay, uh, it's after the Second World War, like post-colonialism is on the right. He just knew exactly which button to push, you know. He didn't go against the wind. He just let himself, he saw where the winds were going and, you know, he just put up his sail and, yeah, he liberated a, a nation of a billion people. Um, and, and that's how we, should, how we should think, like where are the pressure points out there um, because with a developmental perspective and and seeing like the gravitational pull uh, of the attractor points out there, you can see ah here is a pressure point, here is a pressure point, here is a pressure point, um, and it's kind of like you would rather want to just like flip one domino brick than fighting um, what what they called uh, windmills, right? And that's what I hope. Yeah, like finding. Yeah, and that's what I hope we we can do with this uh, with this way of uh, of thinking, and uh, and I think that's something that we can be agree with postmodern. That is that there is a prefer preferable future out there. Um, that there are you know improvements to the current state of the world that we would like to see happen. Um, and then I just take my liberty to say that that's development and that's progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when you were referring uh, to my mention of friends who have uh, like uh, gone different paths than me regarding like how to make sense of the world, mm -hmm. I think yeah, yeah, they're going to take to have a beer and play chess. I have actually have been doing that. That that's a good thing to do, but still the. I think one of the main important questions is like, where do we as a society focus our resources? And if there's like disagreement, for example, on questions such as climate change. Yeah. Well, uh, if, if you have enough resources, disaster. if you have enough resources and really love this friend, then I think you should invite him on a tour uh, around the globe. Could be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I think like uh, what one thing that's often mentioned as as a uh, one of the center how how would you say like the the most hmm, i'm thinking of the english word the thing that defines metamodernism already before uh, you started writing about political metamodernism uh it, it often got associated with the sort of new sincerity movement and i think there's also one like practical uh, 
point of contact that people can have when they try to figure out what metamodern is actually about because even though i've been thinking about both metamodernism and also similar attractors for quite some time i often find myself struggling trying to define them to people who are not like acquainted with them but uh, but yet the sincerity point of view uh which there's often examples given through like music or movies like one thing that really hit some of the metamodern sensibility home for me was listening to the future islands uh famous live performance for the first time which like integrates uh some sort of like uh it's a, like the performer especially the singer of the band is like acting a role but at the same time you get the sense that he's like true that role providing that's really 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 sincere in the way that you uh, rarely see and i think one of the important aspects of metamodernism is the tendency to try to find ways of um being in touch with polarities or or different sides of paradoxes uh, and uh, i think a good way also to describe that is that it's not just both and thinking but it's both both and and either or exactly. thinking how you can there, there are a few, yeah, there maybe... few people who are even capable of saying that uh, well done <laughs> huh. is if there's if there's some uh, like favorite examples for you regarding the kinds of paradoxes that metamodernism might uh, have a tendency to embrace maybe you can give them I don't know, but we have this thing of, like, of sincere irony, yeah? and there's a concept that uh, we have in common. Well, actually, we stole from uh, the Dutch school, um, and uh, well, I'm just going to mute this one just a moment. Uh, so there we go. Um, sincere irony. Uh, and I also, because th I think that, you know, we have like, like 20, 25 years of, of postmodern irony, and you know, the, the cynicism is, is like we, we are craving a new sincerity, right? And of course, if you don't believe in anything and you just have this shield, uh, this armor of, 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 of cynical irony, like after a while, you know, you, you start to feel the thirst for something that actually means something. But today, like you cannot, like, um, you cannot be sincere without irony because you wouldn't, it's not trustworthy, is it? Like if you were just like 100% sincere about something, you know, it, it often becomes a bit creepy and, and you take yourself and your sincerity on such, uh, 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 too, too seriously. So, so you, we need this irony, like in the sincerity, right? And I think that's something you can find in the art world now that, okay, we kind of, you know, we have had our fair dose of, uh, of South Park and Simpsons. And, uh, um, and it's also in the art world that, that always, that's our theory at least, that uh, we will write about that, uh, Hansi will write about that in his, his, his upcoming book, Six Hidden Patterns of, of World History, that, um, that, that it's in the art world that you will see the first indications of, of a new meter meme emerging. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to see where the future is going, always go in the art world like the artists are capable of like before the philosophers have the words and the concepts the artists they can kind of like feel like a good artist can feel where things are going you know the, many artists they're like blessed because they are like so closely uh, finely attuned to the attractor points um, and they don't have a lang language, so they express themselves, uh, you know, uh, in the visual arts or, uh, yeah, with music, uh, in conceptual art. And then, like, a little bit later, the philosophers will start, you know, creating, uh, creating a language. And then, yeah, uh, it, will, uh, uh, it, it, it will, you know, gradually take place in, in, in society in general. Um, so yeah, I guess yeah, yeah I guess uh, an important way of how that happens is that before you can start elaborating a theory, you you need to be thinking about it for quite a t long time before you can get a sensible package together. But when it comes to art, if you can just align yourself, because metamodernism has also often been described. I, I think it was Van der Acht and Vermeulen who described this as a structure of feeling. Mm. So as an artist, you can just like get in touch with that 
particular kind of attractor and express through it or express in a way that's informed by that. And in the movie world, some examples that uh, are often given uh, about metamodernism uh, are Michel Gondry's and Charlie Kaufman's stuff. And like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind mm. is a, a movie that's often mentioned. Yeah. Also, I feel that that Arrival by Denis Villeneuve was something that really grabbed the yeah the structure of feeling or whatever you you want to call that. Uh, yeah, I have I have another uh, Memento and Crash, mm-hmm. uh, almost like like fifteen twenty year old movies. I would say are, are also uh, Crash. I think it's like the two thousand four or five edition. There's another one out there. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, of course, also like The Fountain, like an integral favorite movie, uh, but also touches um, upon many metamodern um, sensibilities. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, being able to simultaneously hold the sort of ironic detachment, mm. which provides uh, a way to be profoundly sincere, as, as you said before, like without it appearing sort of cringy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I sort of... if you want to explore metamodern, I don't think that you will become a good metamodern philosopher from like, like like staying in a university department. Like, get your ass out of of your office. Go to a museum. Go to an art museum. Um, go to the streets and see what the street artists are coming up to. Listen to music. You know, um, go to YouTube and see what thirteen-year-old girls are up to. Um, Go out there in the world and and discover uh, uh, d- d- discover art. I think it's um, one of the most um, inspiring and fruitful endeavors you can do as a philosopher. Um, and uh, you can discover the future uh, by looking uh, by uh, by looking into good art. Hmm. Also, regarding embracing the paradoxes, uh, you mentioned cynicism before. Hmm. And the way I've thought about it, I've also occasionally toyed with the the phrase post cynicism when it comes to metamodernism. Mm. And in a sense, it's not like it's not about uh, uh, rejecting cynicism, but more like seeing the place that cynicism actually does have in our world and seeing where it lacks and where where it sort sort of falls short. I think uh, a good balance of cynicism and optimism uh, makes it possible in a sense to transcend them both. Also in Finnish we have this, uh, uh, there's nice words that aren't directly translatable to English because in fin- Finnish when there's the word for hope, which is toivo, mm. and then there's uh, epatoivo, which is translated as despair usually, but but the direct la- translation would be like unhope. Yeah. And I think also like getting beyond uh, the dichotomy of hope and and unhope or despair is also a good uh, like metamodern anchor in the sense that you, you see that there's value in both and there's also value in transcending those. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I really think that uh, cynicism, cynicism has stopped being cool, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it it like to being this cynical, you know, anti thesis critic, you know, um, okay. Don't think it cut it anymore, and I think that a lot of young people out there are just hungering for someone with more sincerity and someone who would who dares to make a fool out of yourself, right? Because uh, that's the thing about okay, all this, all this irony, uh, cynicism. You know, it's it's like an armor, yeah. And if you just like criticizing everything around you, but you never come up with anything, you sort of like you you're very protected, right? Um, but you know, after a while, it doesn't right lead anywhere. Uh, I would like before I have to go in five minutes. I would like to read uh, it's from 1997 by I would like to quote quote the American novelist David Foster Wallace. I was um, just about to quote him. So oh, you were about <laughs> yeah, to do it. Okay, to, no, 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 you you have a direct quote. I, 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 ha- I have it on my screen here. Real rebels, rebels. As far as I can see, risk disapproval. Like real rebels as uh, risk disapproval. The old postmodern insurgents risk the gasp and squeal. Shock, disgust, outrage, censorship, accusations of socialism, anarchism, nihilism. Today's risks are different. 
the new rebels might be artists willing to risk the yawn, the rolled eyes, the cool smile, the nut ribs, the parody of gifted ironists, the oh, how banal, to risk accusations of sentimentality, melodrama, of overcredulity, of softness, of willingness to be suckered by a world of lurkers and starers who fear gaze and ridicule above imprisonment without law. Who knows? And I would say this is uh, one of like the first like examples in literary of like a true metamodern. Uh, well, it's a clarion call for a, 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 a metamodern uh, wave, and um, yeah. Uh, and it's going to be quoted in, uh, and we're writing another Hansi book. It's going to be called like 12 Much Better uh, Rules for Life. And uh, hopefully it will be out before Christmas. Now I've put a little mm. bit of pressure on myself to have it done. Mm. So Wonderful. I'm going to go, I'm going to go home and then I'm going to kick Hansi in the, uh, in the butt. And uh, yeah, hopefully there will be more metamodern content coming to you soon. Mm. Um you need to go at this minute or do I have space for tiny final questions? Four minutes. Four minutes. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Regarding uh, David Foster Wallace, Infinite Jest was just translated to Finnish. I've yet to read it, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, willing to be informally naive and willing to be ridiculed uh, because you believe in a better future in, in a way that has integrated also the important part that the cynical and critical uh, approaches toward to uh, like believing in a progress of society, I think is like yes. uh, in the core of the metamodern ethos. To be 100% but, okay. Machiavellian and 100% idealistic. Um, that is what <laughs> is required. Yeah. So I have shitloads of questions that need to be spared for a, for a future discussion, hopefully, but I have short final questions that I ask from everyone. So you can reply with one sentence or more, whichever way mm -hmm. you want. So first question, an early memory that has affected the course of your life. An early memory of something that has... Yeah. Well, um, when I was five years old, I fell out of a window and broke my arm. Hmm. I remember I flying there yeah. in the air and then yeah, uh -huh. hitting the ground. Like, oh, shit, what did I just do? How did it affect you? Um, I don't know. Um, I had this idea of, uh, of God intervening. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe uh, it has uh, impacted my life in a way that, um, yeah, that I feel somehow protected by a higher being out there. Mm. Surprising. Uh, a thing that inspires you? A thing that inspires me? Um, well, uh, I am inspired by a good night's sleep. I'm inspired of going home to my beautiful wife and have a kiss and a meal. Um, normal, everyday life. Mm. A thing that scares you? Uh, wasps. I'm terrified of wasps. Mm. If things go well, where will you be five years from now? I don't know where we'll be uh, in terms of geography, but I hope that I will just be living a good, good life with my family, and that we will, yeah, ha have a have a nice house, and uh, we will have enough time to love each other, and um, yeah, I will have enough adventures uh, with my work at Meta Moderna. Um, yeah, just a normal life. Hmm. Okay, so people can follow you through metamoderna.org. Also, uh, Hansi Freinacht's uh, Facebook page is probably worth following. And uh, yes. can people and, and can on, people and on Twitter? And uh, you can also follow me on uh, yeah on on Facebook and and all that jazz. Yeah, wonderful. So, final uh, your greetings or prayer or wish or what whichever to the human race. <clears throat> it's a good question. I would like to come up with 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 a good answer. Um, 
Now I would really want to come up with a good answer. Um, let's uh, let's let's save it for next time. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. Well, that was my discussion with Emilainer Fries, uh, a co-founder at the Metamoderna think tank and one of the visionaries of metamodernism. Uh, a one-hour discussion uh, provides a limited possibility to really get in-depth uh, discussion of the themes that we, we were covering there, but uh, at least I think that provided a brief glimpse of, of metamodernism or into metamodernism and into Emil Einar's and Hansi Freinat's work. And uh, yeah, I hope to do follow-up discussions in the future because I, I really feel that this was just scratching the surface. But uh, And also I'd say that metamodernism is not an easy concept to grasp. It's I've been reading and thinking about it for, for a couple of years now and uh, still I find it challenging to to give a, an elevator pitch description of what it's actually about when people ask about it. But uh, yeah, if you find yourself interested, no doubt, doubt you, you will be marina marinating yourself in, in metamodern material. Of which this podcast was just like one viewpoint into. It's like, as we discussed a bit in the end, no one has a final say on on, on metamodernism. It's not a static thing. It's more of a process that's sort of like an open source movement that's uh, developing and self-organizing on its own. But yeah, okay, if you enjoy the podcast, I recommend uh, subscribing on your favorite provider, following on, on social media, and also uh, consider uh, becoming a Patreon supporter. And uh, then until the next time, thank you.